One, two, three. Hallelujah! Clap for the Lord. Amen. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. All right. Look at your name and say, get your Bible out. You know, the Bible is important. Amen. And, and, and the Bible makes all the difference. The Bible makes all the difference in our lives. And so we just want to be a people that are committed to the word, learning and growing. Amen. Learning and growing by the word. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for blessing us, blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Church said amen. Praise God. All right, you already got your Bible out, so we're going to get into this. Um, God's got great things in store for the body of Christ, and God is always looking to take us up. God is always looking to uh, bring improvement to our lives. Amen. Uh, um, look at your name and say, God wants your life to get better. Okay, I know that, you know, um, people go through things and, you know, life is not always easy and, and we understand that. But you really just have to come to the place where you're going to agree with God. And you know that God wants you to live a better life. God wants things to work out for you. Now, sometimes you learn, right? You know, how many, how many of you have had to learn some things in your life? Like you had to learn some lessons and sometimes you say, Lord, I'm so glad that I learned this or that because how many of you guys have been in a place where you thought you knew everything, <clears throat> but then you realize you, there was a lot you did not know. Amen. And you thank God that for his grace, because his grace is sufficient. One, one more uh, interrupting. Just close that back door. You guys just, we want to make sure we close that when we start service. Amen. Because that, that heat from outside will come right in. Amen. And, and so we just understand that we don't know everything and we're learning and growing. But if I can come to the place of, of understanding within myself to say, well, God wants me to live a good life. God didn't put me in the earth to fail. God didn't put me in the earth to suffer. Amen. How I many know you don't have to suffer for Jesus? That's a religious mistake that people make. Amen. You are to glorify him by living a good life. Amen. And so we just learn how God does this. I'm going to preach this message this morning entitled personal. Just one word. <clears throat> personal. And this is the way your relationship with God is supposed to be personal. It's between you and God. Do you understand that your relationship, your walk with God doesn't really involve anyone else but you and him? Now, sometimes we can hide behind other things. I mean, no, we can hide behind ministry. We can, oh, well, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing that. You're doing all this stuff for God, but do you know him? Amen. You're doing a lot of things for God, but when is the last time you've embraced him? When is the last time you've had a one-on-one encounter with him? And see, and this is what this is about, personal. And so we ask ourselves, what is Christianity all about? You know, there's a lot of different forms, if you want to call it, of Christianity. 
uh, there's Baptists, there's Pentecostal, there's this, there's all these denominations. But at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters. What matters is, do you know him? What matters is, is he in your heart? Are you close with him? And so, uh, you know, sometimes we can ask, is Christianity, is it about being a good person? Is it about staying out of sin? Is it about loving thy neighbor, right? We've heard all these things. Is is it about going to church? Uh, Is it about reading your Bible? Is it about any of those things? Now, I will help you. Those things are important. Don't get me wrong. This is not a church where I just say you can just do anything you want and God's fine with it. No, he's not fine with that. You're going to have to get your life in order and obey him. But what I want you guys to understand is all that stuff, being a good person, staying out of sin, doing all that type of stuff. Those are examples of fruit. That's all they are. They're examples of fruit, but not the root. Amen. Come on. Examples of fruit. You know, you could be a good person. Praise God. Isn't God awesome? I want to be a good person too. But the, hey, Sister Monique, welcome back. Clap it up for her, man. Man, praise God. She's been experiencing the healing and man, showed up. Amen. Look at God. Look at God. Praise God. I'm happy to see you. Amen. But you know, we could strive to be better people and, and, and do all these things and, you know, be consistent in going to church and all that and reading our Bible. But once again, those are examples of fruit. They're examples of fruit, but not the root. See, the source, the foundation, the ground that we really build on. What ground do we really build on as Christians? And, and that's what I want to help you guys understand. What ground do we really build on as Christians? What is the foundation? What is it that you're standing? Are you standing on your Bible verses? Come on, somebody. Are you standing on the fact that, you know, you quit uh, drinking, you don't drink no more? Come on, somebody. Uh, Can I get amen up in here? Come on. Are you standing on your good behavior? Are you standing on the fact that, you know what, everybody in my family, uh, we grew up going to church. Is that what you're standing on? See, and I I want you to understand that that's not the foundation. That's not the source. That is not even what's important about Christianity. uh, Christianity is not about you look a certain way and and you got that bumper sticker on and now you got this, you got that, and, and you got your Christian everything, you got the biggest Bible in the world and all that type of stuff. That is not what Christianity is about. Amen. The foundation, y'all ready for this? You want to know what the foundation is? The foundation that we build on. Now let's, let's, let's understand something. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, foundation. Thank you. Appreciate it. Foundation. See, I left my black one in the uh, car. And so this is going to mess up my look up here, but my camera, see, I don't like having this on my camera look, but you know, so, but, but we got this though. Amen. How many y'all like this? You know what I mean? It's right here, you know, so we didn't have some improvements, right? You guys just don't know, man. I'll be, I'll be working behind the scenes because we got to have stuff looking nice. Amen. Praise God. Well, <clears throat> the foundation. So the foundation that we build on. All right, look at your name and say, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Okay, look at your name and say, I'm a kingdom builder. I'm a kingdom builder. 
okay, see, now I'm going to help you now. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some stuff that's going to help you. We got to understand root versus fruit. You know, people get caught up trying to, you know, produce fruit. Well, if you don't get your roots together, you're going to have a hard time keeping up. And you're going to be trying your best and coming up short. Well, the foundation is a personal relationship with God the Father. Let me help you. I want, I want to get you to understand the structure and, and, and how God laid everything out so beautifully for all of us to participate in. The foundation is a personal relationship with God the Father. Look at your name and say God the Father. Well, we have people talking in this church because I, I, you, you got to, you know, hear yourself saying some stuff. So God the, God the Father, a personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, his son. So that's the foundation. That's what you build on a personal relationship with God the Father. Now, you got to understand the structure. God the Father wants to be in fellowship with you. Sometimes people see God the Father as so untouchable or unapproachable and they become more comfortable with Jesus. But you got to understand the role and what Jesus did. Jesus was the one who gave us access. Y'all in here with me. Come on. He gave us access to God the Father. Amen. And so what you're supposed to be, Jesus even told his disciples, he said, there's going to come a time where you're not going to ask me anything. But you're going to ask the Father, come on, in my name. Amen. And so this puts an emphasis on this personal relationship with God the Father. And so this is the foundation of this whole Christian thing and and what we can build on. Now go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Okay. So he says here, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So stop right there. So the holiest. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say the holiest? So if you've ever studied the temple structure. And so do you guys remember in the Old Testament where, you know, God was so like holy and sacred that, you know, nobody could approach him. You guys remember that? You remember some of those stories where, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant, you know, represented the presence of God. And and you just couldn't touch that Ark. And remember, they were carrying the Ark and it and was got, getting ready to fall on the ground. And the man went to grab it and touched it and he dropped dead. You guys remember those stories? That's because of the holiness of God. The the The, you know, you remember when Moses had to hide his face in the cleft of the rock and God was going to pass by him, but God wouldn't allow Moses to look on him because if he would have looked on him, he would have disintegrated. You remember that? And so, but now Jesus had to come so that things, now things were not always like that to where man and God were so separate. You know that when man was created by God, He was not created. There was no like temple and all that. You know, there was no hiding your face in the rock and none of that stuff. Well, it was sin that created a separation 
between God and man. And so now we look in Hebrews and it's starting to give us an explanation. Now remember, I'm teaching you about what is the foundation that you're to build on. And this message is entitled personal. And so this is going to be between you and God. You know, you could fool a lot of people. But God knows everything. You can appear to be happy. How many know everybody that looks happy is not happy? Everybody that presents themselves to be a certain way, they're not that way. And see, I I try to let people know right away, I'm not. I got my own kids, so I am their daddy. But I tell grownups, I'm not your daddy. You don't have to do nothing to impress me. Don't clean up when I come over. Because I'm not the one you got to deal with. Amen. Amen. It's God. And this thing is personal. Now, Jesus has made a way for us to get back into this fellowship that we're supposed to be in. So he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Now, the holiest is behind the veil. So with the temple structure, they had all this stuff set up, the outer court, the inner court, the, you know, all this stuff, the, the holy place, and then the holiest of holies. So the holiest of holies, only the priests could go back there. And they, they could only go back there like once a year for the atonement, to, you know, try to get atonement for the sins of others. But that represented a sacred place that you just don't go into. Amen. And If we look at it now, he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's like if I told you right now, God is behind those double doors back there. And we're going to line up right here. We're going to just get a line and we're going to take turns going in there meeting God. How many of y'all say, "Okay, I'm going to go. But some of y'all say, you say, wait, what? Like, I'm just saying, like. Is he really back there, Pastor? Or are you just, is this is an example? Or is he really like, is he really back there? And you'll be nervous because the presence of God is such a holy thing. It's such an awe. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, God is back there. We're going to open, you know, one at a time, you're going to go down back there. And some of you guys will be like, you know, most lines, most lines, you like to go in the front. Most lines, you know, you line up. Let's say like, People are cooking food at their house. You guys ever been at, at, a, at a thing where you're cooking food at the house and it's time to eat. Everybody just jumping in the line. Nobody's hesitant. But this line, everybody would be jumping to the back. Everybody. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, oh you go ahead. I, I, you can go before me because everybody will want to see what happens. And say, I'm going to see if they make it out of there. If they don't make it out. I ain't going in. Well. That's the way it used to be. You just couldn't go into the presence of God. But now because of Jesus, look at your name and say, I'm thankful for the blood. But we're not going to take it for granted, though, in this church. We're not going to take, excuse me, the blood of Jesus for granted in this church. We're going to recognize what it provided for us. And we're going to take full advantage of it. Amen. We're going to take full advantage of of what the blood of Jesus has provided for us. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So that veil, that veil was a separation. The veil was a separation. That is why 
they had the veil up so that just average people could not go behind <coughs> that veil. You know what, sweetie, you got the key? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my real water. This one's cold. Yeah, give it to Brother Lee. I'm gonna get my, I left it in the car. Thanks. <clears throat> anyway, so if you think about it, the, uh, the veil is a separation. The veil is to keep something between me and you. And that's why even when Moses went up to the mountain. Y'all remember he went up there to write the Ten Commandments and when he came down, he had to keep his face covered. Come on, any of y'all been reading here? Yeah. I said, man, I shouldn't have to go to all of this. Y'all know some of this, right? And so he had to come down, but he, God made him keep a veil over his face because the glory was so strong. So that means that when Moses came down off that hill, that if people would have looked on his face, they would have dropped dead. See, that's how powerful the glory of God is. Amen. That's how powerful his presence is. And so Hebrews is explaining that now we have a new and living way, which Jesus, he did this for us. He consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And so his flesh was that veil and he sacrificed and he sacrificed for us. Next verse. And having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus is the high priest. Amen. Jesus is the high priest. Now, Jesus was not in a situation where he wants everybody to just focus on him and forget about Father God. Amen. Come on. You come on up. We don't care. We just saw a family up in here, man. We're not trying to, you know, what we're trying to keep it together for. We're trying to look, you know, a certain way. But I, but I, I just, I know how I am and I'll be, I'll go back and watch this later and I'll be like, man, that water bottle's just really just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'll be distracted by that water bottle. I'll be trying to watch the sermon over and I'll be looking at that water bottle. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> see, that's better. Plus, you see that? You see, y'all, can y'all read that? What does that say? You can't see it? It says anointed. See, I'm just reminding it. No, amen. Praise God. All right. Um, so having a high priest over the house of God. Next verse. Let us draw near. So what is this about? This is about, this is what Christianity is about. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So now I want you to understand, this is what Christianity is about. This is about you getting close to God. This is about you being pushed. Me and my wife are talking about this maybe this morning, but the, one of the greatest things we can do is push our kids into the presence of God. Come on. Uh, we push them kids into the presence of God, push them into that place of behind the veil where it's just them and God. Amen. I mean, no, you can give as many examples as you want, but I can't live that walk for them. You can't live anybody else's walk. What you can do is encourage them, push them in there, tell them to go in there because they may have been nervous or they may have been under your shadow or they may have been hesitant, but now they start to learn. It's about intimacy with my father. 
But you got to understand, see, Jesus sacrificed not so we would just only see Jesus. This was supposed to connect us with the Father. And so we can have, we can go in there with that full assurance, having our bodies washed with pure water. Next verse. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. Next verse. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So this is what we do, right? We do have a responsibility to encourage each other. Encourage each other to get closer to Jesus. Encourage each other to be good examples. Next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so what does that mean? That's why we go to church. We have to, I got to go to church so that I can be encouraged and encourage others. That's a part of it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So you're exhorting. So you're encouraging and you want to encourage your brothers and sisters. Hey, come on. I want you to just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know what? I'm praying for you. Amen. Come on. How many times do you ever remind your <clears throat> brother or sister in the Lord that you're praying for him? Yeah. Come on. I don't know if you guys. <clears throat> Are you guys doing this? <clears throat> My voice is challenging right now. But I, oh, no, of course not. I, I, I got, I got too much to say to not be able to talk. <laughs> I'll be doing some sign language on y'all if I had to. Amen. I got to get this message out. Amen. Praise God. But think about it. When is the last time you told your brother or sister that you're praying for him? Let's, let's just practice this. Look, look back and say, you know, I pray for you often. Look at somebody and tell them, come on. Don't be lying though. <clears throat> Ah, you ought to pray for him often, you know, pray for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But we encourage each other. Why? Because we see that the day is approaching. The day of Jesus's return is approaching. And so when that happens, there's no more time to get it right. The time is upon us. And so that's why we got to pray and encourage each other right now. And so John, uh, 14, 6. Let's go there. John 14, 6. Man, ever since we got this big stage, I feel like everybody's staring at me. (laughs) Y'all didn't stare at me at the other church. I'm like, dang. I just felt a little pressure. I said, man, I want to make sure I got it together, man. They looking all at me. Plus, we put the words behind us, so that's, that's what you're looking at, right? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, because you guys can't say that, because I'll be like, no, nah, you're looking at me. I see your eyes. Amen. So Jesus says, I am the way. So I'm going to help you with this. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so you start to understand the purpose of Jesus. He's there so that now, yes, he does forgive us of our sins, but the reason that you get forgiven of sins is so that you can go back into fellowship. Amen. You didn't just get forgiven of sins just so you can go to heaven. You can't just go to heaven and miss fellowship. 
Because even Jesus said, <clears throat> many will say in that day, we've done all these things. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And so you want to be at that place in your life where you have entered into that intimacy with God. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so Christianity is all about intimacy. And Jesus had to make a way for you to enter into that intimacy. So think about this, getting close to God the Father. How many of you have even assessed your own walk with God and said, you know, me and the Father are close? Hmm? That's why we teach over here the way we pray. We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We don't pray Heavenly Father off somewhere far because he's not far anymore. Because the blood of Jesus has given me access. He has made a way. And so Christianity is all about intimacy. Look at your name and say intimacy. intimacy. See, a person, you think intimacy, you think a man and a wife and things like that. But intimacy is deeper than that because intimacy was already established and it was supposed to be between us and God. Amen. It was supposed to be between us and God. Let me see. And so um, this word intimacy is a close, familiar, affectionate, loving, personal relationship with God the Father. So I'm going to go over that again in a moment. Let me just... All right. And so intimacy, a close, familiar, affectionate, loving, personal relationship with God the Father. How many of you got that? No, no, no. See, don't don't feel bad if you don't. It's a lot of things that we, we're not flowing in is because we haven't been taught. So that's why I'm here to teach you. And so I'm going to ask you again, how many of you would say you have a close, familiar, affectionate, loving personal relationship with God, the father. And see what I want to, I want to help you to be in that place to where you can actually say with all confidence, I'm close with God. God knows everything about me. There's no division between me and God. I'm not trying to clean up for God. I'm not trying to act right for God. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, impress God. I'm involved in an intimate relationship. You know, uh, when a husband and wife come together, before they, you know, when they're dating or whatever, they're trying to impress each other. Can I get amen right there? Come on. You trying to, you know, you got a date set up and what you trying to get it together. You want to look a certain way. Come on. How many know after you get married, all of a sudden, oh, I ain't get no amens on that. I'm just saying, after you get married, all of a sudden, you just like, you know, before you didn't want to be seen looking like that. But now you get married, it's just, you're seeing everything. But that's because you've become close, right? 
and, and, and you're not strangers anymore and, and you've entered into an intimate relationship and you become a part of each other. Amen. And you're no longer trying to impress each other and, and things like that. Do you know that's what God desires for us? He doesn't want you to keep trying to impress him. He doesn't want you to keep trying to do everything right for him. He just simply wants you to come in close enough. God is saying, can you just come close enough so that you can learn about me? Because a lot of people know a lot about the Bible, but they don't know about God. They know about religion, but they don't know about God. They know about other Christian people, but they don't know about God. What is God thinking about you right now? What really matters to God? God is not sitting there with a checklist and saying, you better do this. You better do that. God is saying, let me in. Everybody else is saying, yeah, but, yeah, but God wants you to get rid of all that. And he wants this relationship to start to develop. And it's actually not a new one. It's what he intended all along. And so go to Romans 5, 8 now, NLT, Romans 5, 8, NLT. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners. See that? While we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to die so that he could pay the price. But remember, it's not just so you can go to heaven. It's so that you can enter back into fellowship, intimacy, behind the veil, one-on-one. Amen. One-on-one, you and God. You know that there's no particular way that you have to pray. Come on. See, some people think that, you know what, if I don't get on my knees, that prayer is not heard. That's not what God told me. Because you know what I can't do? I can't get on my knees in my car while I'm driving. But sometimes God wants to talk to me in my car while I'm driving. And so that means if I can't get on my knees and get my prayer shawl, come on somebody, then me and God can't communicate. God will talk to you while you're doing something else. See, God is supernatural. And so you could be doing something. You could be at work, working on something. And then God has no problem interrupting you and giving you a download. Come on. He don't have no problem talking to you. He don't need permission. If God needs permission to talk to you, you're in religion. If God's got to wait for a certain day to talk to you, you're in religion. This relationship with God, you can't turn it off. You can't just say God's talking to me this day. and that. No, he's going to speak whenever he wants. And he wants you to be in a place where you're comfortable, where you're uh, in that place with God where there is nothing. I'm not trying to be fake. Amen. Come on. If you if you're married and your marriage is blessed, you're not fake with your spouse. If you are still being fake with your spouse. Let me tell you, they're going to find out. You ain't going to be able to hide everything. Some people, you know, they hide stuff for a long time. Then that seemed like it just always come out. Amen. But we don't want to be like that. See, the thing about God is he knows everything anyway. So the best thing we can do is be open and transparent with him right away. Now, if we understand how much he loves us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And we know um, 
John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, this everlasting life that we get to experience is supposed to be a life that involves intimacy. It's a connection. I'm with God. And so when I get connected with God, I never have to be separated again. Do you understand that when you connect with God, that relationship is going to continue to grow and develop throughout eternity? It's never going to end. And this is what God wanted. And this is what God created uh, in the beginning. But sin breaks fellowship. Amen. Because he's a holy God and you're created in his image, but he cannot have unholy things in the holy presence of God. And so what did he do? He had to send his son, Jesus, so that he could pay the price, right? You guys know the scriptures for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 23. Well, he paid that price, but it's so that we can now enter into this fellowship. Now, I want you to remember this veil. Remember the veil. The veil separates. Look at your name and say, the veil separates. The veil separates. Now, sometimes people have less of a veil. And so what does that mean? They're not hiding everything from God, but they're hiding some things from God or so they think. And so there's maybe, you know, you guys, you know, you get window tint on your car. You know what I'm saying? You got some of you got limo tint. Limo is like a veil, man. You can't see anything up in there. Amen. And then some of you got, okay, I got medium, but you still trying to shade. You know what I mean? You still keep in some, you know, and so you can see in there, but you can't see clearly. Well, sometimes in our walk with God, we get to a place where we're not as cut off as we used to be. But then now we still have some areas and we're just trying to, you know, I'm just trying. I haven't just gone all the way with God in that particular area yet. Well, God wants you to know the veil is ripped completely. See, when you come into the presence of God, this is what God does. He consumes you. But it's not to hurt you or harm you. It's to benefit you. And now you want to live from a place of relationship. Isn't this powerful when I can live from the inside out? Because in our world, outside circumstances tend to impact people. It impacts the way we feel. It impacts the way we think circumstances, situations, but God wants you to know that what's inside of you is supposed to change everything on the outside of you. And that can only happen when you step back. And now I can say back, and this applies to even if someone didn't know God, because we're all created in his image. None of us are these different creations. Every man, every woman was created in the image of God. And so now we can come back to that place where we once had fellowship with God when he first created us. But that sin had to be paid for. And then guess what? What about this big veil? What about this veil? What about those doors that is blocking the presence of God? It has to be done away with. Because if it's not done away with, man can't enter in or only special. Amen. You know, you got a lot of people. You ever met those people that try to appear to be holy 
Can I, can I get an amen right now? Let me, let me just say some stuff. I just like saying these things. There's some people, they'll be walking around and they just, I think they're trying to appear holy. But have you ever seen somebody and they're just walking there and you maybe you got that spiritual uh, cousin or something. And they just walking and they'll be like, ah, ah, ja, shanda, hada. And they say, wait, what? what's going on? I mean, I'm talking about they just walking in Walmart. They're not, you know, they just, they're not at church or nothing. They're walking in Walmart and, oh, glory, hey. What is all that? Like, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? Because God doesn't do all that. Now, some of you, maybe you do that. Now, I'm not saying, but I don't think it's all that, it's not necessary to do that. Amen? It's important for you to have a time with God, but it's not, you know, I think people do a lot of stuff. They do extra stuff, like extra shaking and, and quaking and you know, and rocking and swaying and moving and doing and, and it's, and it's all that's what? The presence of God? So that means that God's presence came on you. So what if you're not shaking and quaking and swaying and doing all that? That means you don't have his presence? Cause you can't be shaking and quaking like that while you're trying to drive. You see what I'm saying? I'm, now, there are times we experience more spiritual encounters. You might experience that in church, or you could be at worship in your own home, just you and God, or, and the Spirit can come upon you, and you can feel His presence. And, and so I'm not mocking that. But what I am drawing attention to is fakes. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me just say it. I ain't got no nice way to put it. I'm drawing attention to frauds. People who are running around here spiritual, and yeah, you might have a spirit, but it ain't the spirit of the living God. Amen. It ain't the Holy Ghost because he don't act like that. Amen. And so I'm trying to help everybody understand that God is not religious. God is not all tight and all like that. God wants to be in fellowship with you, but he's a God of order. So things had to be done so that this fellowship can be birthed so that we can now, step into this. We'll go to Matthew, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 50. And we know this when Jesus was taken, you know, to the cross. But um, just skipping down to 50, he says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost, right? And so he gave his life. He paid that debt. And we know it wasn't easy for him. Next verse. And behold, you see this? The veil of the temple was Rent, meaning ripped in twain. So that means completely separated. It wasn't torn. If it was just torn, it's still kind of hanging on. But it's ripped completely so that it's no longer useful in terms of keeping anybody out. Y'all, y'all in here with me. And so behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks Rent. And so what this means is, like, think about it. If it was just for us to get back to, just to get to heaven, if, if, if Jesus went to the cross just for us to get to heaven, why did the temple, why did the veil have to be ripped? What's the reason for that? I mean, if we get to go to heaven, we're skipping, we're bypassing any type of temple structure and that doesn't matter. So why would the Bible record the fact that the veil was ripped in twain? Why? Because the veil represented a separation between God and man. And Jesus, come on somebody, he 
did away with that to where we no longer have to be separated from God. And so the veil was ripped. And so what does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. Intimacy is restored. Come on. Intimacy is restored. What does that mean? Access has been granted. You know, we, we pray for each other and that's good, but honestly, when you start to learn some things, you don't have to have nobody really praying for you no more. Oh, come on. You don't, when you start to really learn, you don't have to have somebody going and interceding on your behalf. It's good and we should do that and help each other out. But when you get to this place, you say, I'm going to go talk to the father myself. You don't have to have somebody go talk to the father for you. No, I'm, I'm going in there and getting this. I'm going to go ahead and get a hold of God myself. Amen. Now, there's a place for that, for praying for each other, encouraging each other. But really, even through all of our prayers, there should be a pushing and a nudging. Because honestly, let me tell you this right now. I don't have all the answers for you. Everything you go, in your, go through in your life, I don't have the answers for that. But I know who does. And what I want to do is push you in there and get you as close to him as I possibly can. That's a goal. Well, the veil had to be ripped. And so now intimacy was restored. Now go to Genesis, Genesis chapter three. We're going back to see, you know, the intimacy that was there. And so it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So get this picture. Not all of, you know, Adam's experience in the garden is recorded, but there's so much that you have to know was there. God created man in his image and then he communed with him. He fellowship with him. And so now at this walking, you can picture this walking in the cool of the day. Just imagine God and man together just enjoying paradise. Come on. Nothing in the way or in between. Y'all ready for this? Amen. There was no temple in the garden. There was no prayer closet. Come on, somebody in the garden. There was no holy hill or holy tree or some holy place that man had to go to get a hold of God. God and man were connected. Man. And walking in the cool of the day. But then now, because of sin, <clears throat> we know what chapter three is, it, you know, it, it lets it be known what happened, right? They, Eve took the fruit and all this type of stuff, but they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Wait, what? So why would you all of a sudden now you're going to hide yourself? Hmm. Yeah, see, that's like, this is a lot, of, a lot of correlations with marriage, but, you know, marriages that are good, they're open, but then all of a sudden, if somebody starts hiding stuff, oh, come on, I can't get amen right there. <clears throat> now they, it used to be real transparent, but now they're a little, you know, you don't know where they're going? Oh, come on. 
Hey, you know, you, you don't know what's what's happening with the money. Come on, you don't, it just seemed like some stuff. But you started out transparent. Something went wrong. See, something has violated that relationship. Now, come on. And so with man and God, <clears throat> all of a sudden, you open. But now you hiding? Now, look at this. I want you to <clears throat> pick up on what is, is being said here. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. From what? Look at it. From what? From the presence of God. Isn't that a shame? Man. And unfortunately, man is still trying to hide to this day. From the presence of God. You know, man hides behind his job. He hides behind his family. He hides behind his status in his church. Come on. A, a lot of people hide behind, like I said earlier, <clears throat> they hide behind serving God. Well, I serve on 10 ministries and I'm doing all this and I'm, and so you're just being like Martha. But Jesus didn't prefer Martha. Come on. Jesus preferred Mary because Martha was busy about keeping everything in order and doing everything. But Mary was more interested in sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was more interested in fellowshipping because fellowship is always more important than service. Because any service that you offer should be coming from fellowship. If you're not serving from the place of fellowship, now you're trying to give from a dry place and pretty soon you're going to get burned out. And what are you going to feel? You're going to feel the weight of your service to your God because you're not serving him from fellowship. You're serving now out of obligation. So now it's hard. It's hard to go to church. It's hard to show up for your ministries. It's hard to do all these things because you're serving from obligation and not out of relationship. See, when I'm in that place of intimacy with God, the things that flow from there don't have struggle. Because the anointing is released in intimacy. So you don't get more of the anointing just by pouring a bunch of oil on yourself. You get more of the anointing by being closer to God, by being transparent to God, by opening up and not closing doors to your God. This is what this is really about. This is what Christianity is about, restoring this fellowship. And so they hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees in the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, what, what did he say? Now, do you think God knew where he was? I mean, God is all knowing, right? He sees everything. Nothing can be hidden from him. And so he did not ask Adam where he was so that he can actually get an answer and find out where he is. He already knew where he was, but he asked him so that Adam would recognize where he was. 
Oh, come on, y'all didn't, y'all didn't get that. Come on. Yeah, he didn't, God did not ask Adam, where art thou, so that he could find out where Adam was. He asked Adam, where art thou, so Adam would recognize where he was. So Adam would wake up and say, oh, man. I have stepped out of his presence. And so this is where that breach began. This is where the breach started. So they hid themselves from the presence of God. And man was never created to live outside of the presence of God. You are not supposed to live outside of the presence of God. You're not supposed to try to do anything. You're not supposed to try to live up. Look at the standards. We have so many standards. And I'm telling you now, these are examples of fruit. So, yeah, if you really got Jesus, Jesus said this. If uh, he says, I am the tree, you are the branches and he that abides in me will bear much fruit. So you're going to have fruit. But you're not going to be trying to have fruit. You know, I got an orange tree in my backyard and I don't go out there trying to make oranges grow. I just look up one day and it's full. Because it's an orange tree. That's what it does, produces, right? If if you're really in Jesus, what are you going to do? Produce. Come on. You're not going to try, man. I'm, you know, Pastor, I've been trying my best. Fruit is produced. It's not something you try so I say stop trying and go behind the veil. Stop trying to live a certain way and just get behind the veil and get consumed by the power and presence of God and watch what starts to manifest in your life because you have gotten too close. And so Adam was supposed to stay close to God. But because of sin, there was that breach. And now God says, where are you? And so now he clearly had stepped out of the presence of God. But man, once again, was never created to live outside of the presence of God. I'm telling you, I can't emphasize this enough. You're supposed to be in the presence of God every moment of your life. Jesus paid the price for you so that you no longer have to be separated. You Sometimes you might feel alone. Sometimes you might feel like you've got nobody to turn to. But how many know God says I'm there? Come on, when you look for me, I'm right here, amen. And I'm the one that's gonna embrace you. I'm the one that's gonna help you. I'm the one that's never going to leave you nor forsake you. This place of intimacy that we now have, I want it to stay. That's what Christianity is all about. And I'm gonna read um, Psalm 139. I'm gonna read several verses here. And, and you know, I know what time it is, so we'll close when we're supposed to close. But I'm going to read this and I want you, I challenge you to study this psalm. Take Psalm 139 and study it. and Let God minister to you through that psalm. It's powerful because it's an illustration of the relationship and what we really have with our God and what he intends for us to experience on a day-to-day basis. Man, if, I, if you catch revelation of this, you, you start to realize like, I'm never alone ever again in my life. Once I went through the door provided by the blood of Jesus, now me and my father are connected for the rest of eternity. 
What's the devil saying? You're alone. You have no one. I can never be. It's so, so sorry, devil. It's impossible. Because once I go behind the veil, I'm back in that place of fellowship that God created me to be in. All along, this is what he wanted. He wanted me to be in a fellowship with him to where we could just communicate. You know, God will just embrace you. He'll help you. He'll give you answers. A lot of times he gives you answers when you're not looking for those answers. You don't know, But it's because you're in fellowship. When you're in fellowship, you can communicate. When you're not in that fellowship, in that intimacy, your prayer life is dwindled down to just you talking. Oh, God and God, God and God and this and God and that. And let me get this list. Let me get that list. Let me get this confession. Let me get this. Let me. And then God's like, man, when do I get to talk? Because you got an agenda, you got everything you want, you want this to happen, you want everything you're supposed to happen, but I've been saying this lately, the only timing that matters in the kingdom is perfect timing. There's no, I'm too old, I'm too young. No, there's God's perfect timing. That's all that matters. I can't be ahead and I can't be behind. I have to be in step with God. But the only way I can be in step with God is if I be in fellowship with God. If I'd know him on a personal level, if I'd be able to. Now, you are not going to abandon your family because you have a relationship with God. In fact, that relationship with God will help you be better for them. You're not going to abandon your church because, you know, a pastor ain't going to make it today because I'm in fellowship with God. No, your fellowship with God is going to tell you to go to church. Amen. I'm just saying He's not going to, you know, say, I'm just, you know, I'm on a, I'm just pulling away for a while. Yeah, I know pull away, but we got church today. I know, but I'm, you know, that ain't God. God's going to always push you in to the things of God. Amen. But if you have that intimacy, nobody else has to do everything right for you to be right with God. Some people are still affected by Things, you know, if, if, if the church is too far, it's not close enough or I don't like the lighting in the church. I don't like the carpet, you know, the music. I don't like the. Come on, man. When you're involved with God, then things come from that relationship. It's fruit. You're going to be a person that's pressing in freely to the things of God. <clears throat> now, I want you to understand this. In David, how many know David was a man after God's own heart? David made plenty of mistakes, but David, this is one thing he had. He, he really desired, like you said, and uh, one thing have I desired is to be in the house of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. He had a craving for the presence of God. And so let's read this Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. This is the NLT. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and known everything about me. Stop right there. How many of you right there could be honest with yourself and say, God knows everything about me? Man, I mean, this is true, but, you know, uh, we live in a world where we, we put on masks and we put on, we're, you know, we're pretentious or we're this way or that way, but God knows everything. You don't have to try to act like you got it together when it comes to God. He knows everything. 
Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Y'all okay being this type of, being this transparent with God? Being this honest with yourself? You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. Stop right there. You understand this? Amen. So see, people, they, they fall for things. They fall for uh, really lies of the enemy. Uh, you, you hear things like people, oh, you know what, they used to be connected with God, but then they've fallen away and they've did, you know, and all these type of things. But when you're really there with him, God is letting you know, ain't nowhere for you to go. Backslide to where? Huh? See, his presence is so strong. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Stop right there. Man, so if, if we believe, any, any of y'all believe this? Do you believe this about your God? Like no matter where I am, God is there. There's nowhere I can go to get out of his presence. There's nothing I can go through that God's not in that with me. Come on, somebody. And that's why sometimes when you're feeling the pressures of life, you need to step back and say, God, I know you're there. God, I know you're there. Lord, I feel your presence. Come on, somebody. Lord, I'm, let me just go ahead and praise you right now. Come on. And sometimes you need to stop looking for solutions and answers to your problems. Sometimes when you're going through things, you need to just let the process take its course. Oh, y'all up in here. Come on. Sometimes you need to learn how to be still. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I know you got this. Lord, let me be still. See, he says, uh, Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 37, I don't know if it's uh, four or five. It might be five in the NLT, but he says, be still. Matter of fact, can you get, I'm going to give you a diversion. Psalm 37, five, maybe, and then uh, NLT. Maybe just put that one up there real quick. I'm just, I'm just giving you this because I want you to understand how God works. And we're going to come back to this Psalm 139, but Psalm 37, verse five. Yeah, I think it's five. Okay, let me see. Maybe seven. Go to seven. Somewhere in there. There it is. So it's not just be still, but be still where? So what was restored, right? All this stuff I've been preaching about, <clears throat> about this whole morning is all about intimacy. You and God having intimacy. When you're in the presence of God, <clears throat> I mean, are you going to do what God wants you to do? Nobody's going to have to make you do anything. 
And so he says, be still in the presence of God or in the presence of the Lord. And what does that say? Wait patiently for him to act. The only timing that matters in the kingdom is perfect timing. And so he says, don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. See, there's a lot of distractions in this world where people pay attention to what's going on in everybody else's life, but God is telling you, just wait. Oh no, I feel like the devil is keeping me from that. How many know he can't keep you from nothing because you're in the presence of God? There is no delay that the devil can come up with that can stop the presence of God. It, you just need to learn how to be still in the presence of God and wait patiently for him to act. Man, this is powerful stuff. I'm not trying to, listen, when I'm in his presence, I'm no longer trying to get somewhere. Because I've arrived at where I'm supposed to be. But when I'm not in his presence, I'm chasing after everything. Maybe it's going to be the job that's going to bring me happiness. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's going to be the new spouse that's going to bring me happiness. Maybe it's going to be when I get this money, when I get these debts paid, that's when I'm going to be happy. No, you're not going to be happy until you get to the presence of God and stay in the presence of God and realize that that is where your fulfillment comes from, the very presence of the living God. I'm in fellowship with my God. I've never separated him from him not even for a moment see that's when you understand godliness with contentment is great gain man you just happy what's going on whoo man i'm just i'm just in his presence man yeah but you know don't you worry about the ah, yeah i used to do worry about a lot of stuff but i i got in his presence and something changed Come on, how many know you'll, you'll have smiles when you're supposed to frown? See, these things won't make sense. You'll be at peace when you're supposed to be upset. You're supposed to be worrying about, listen, there are people that are resting at ease and they have mountains of debt and the bill collectors are calling them and the pressure is on, but somehow they got peace like a river in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. See, what Christianity is all about is his presence. It's about you being in his presence. It's about you taking advantage of the opportunity that Jesus provided for you so that you could be with your maker and be in uninterrupted fellowship. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. You don't have to look a certain way to nobody. You just need to be there. In his presence. And now, what flows from there is all going to be good stuff. It's all going to be good. But when I'm in his presence, I got to learn. I mean, Lord. And so I, I tell you, when you get challenged with stuff, issues of life, stop. Say, Lord, I, whew, I know you're here. Because God is not a man that he would lie. So if he said he'll be with you, he ain't going to leave you. So one thing you'll know, you may not have all the answers, but you're going to have the answer. The one answer you need is, God, are you there? And you're never going to hear him say no, unless you decided to leave him and go off to a life of sin. But if you stay in that relationship with God, he's going to be there. 
Let's finish up with this uh, Psalm 139. I want to encourage you to get to that level of intimacy with God. Verse 10, go to verse 10. Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Verse 11, there we go. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Stop right there. God does not make mistakes. There is no one that was supposed to be a man, but they came out a woman. Come on, somebody. There is no one that was supposed to be any other way other than the way God made you. Come on. The way he made you is the way you are. And you accept that and you embrace that and know that when God designed you, he designed you without any flaws. Amen. Come on. Without any flaws, because people, they measure themselves according to a failed system, a measuring stick that's been contaminated because these people that are trying to stamp you with approval, they don't even know God. And we listening to a bunch of heathens tell us how we supposed to feel. You supposed to feel pretty because you look like who said. No, you're supposed to feel that because you understand the inner beauty and you understand what God made and God didn't make no mistakes. And he knit me together. So all of the delicate inner parts of my body and he knit me together in my mother's womb. Next verse. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. How many of y'all just stop and thank God for that? See, we're always busy about trying to become something. God told me a long time ago, stop trying to become and just be. You don't have to chase after nothing. See, when you get in the presence of God, your days of chasing are over. In the world, if it's going to be, it's up to you. In the kingdom, if it's going to be, it's up to him. And he has a plan that's already perfect and you just need to follow it. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. I know well, I mean, how well I know it. Next verse. You watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Stop right there. I know we're going to close in a minute, but what if we realize that this is true? What if we just accept this? Every day of my life was recorded in your book. God's not figuring out what to do with you. The devil is trying to confuse you. The devil is trying to keep you from your true self. Come on, somebody. The devil is trying to keep you from your true self. He's trying to keep you out of the light of God and simply embracing the light of God. And he's trying to keep he's trying to get you to focus on your flaws and focus on all this other stuff and focus on what happened to you in your life. And really, he's trying to get you to focus on all the attacks he's brought your way. But God is the one that says, I already knew everything about you. I got a perfect plan and the devil can't stop it. That's why some of y'all almost got taken out, but you couldn't be taken out. Oh, y'all in here with me. See, come on. 
That's why some of y'all are still here. Amen. You said, man, I went through this. I went through that, but that didn't take me out. That's because God's plan is still active. God's plan is still working. The devil can't stop God's plan because he didn't come up with that plan. But what you need to do is surrender. Say, Lord, I want to be closer to you. I want to feel your presence. I don't want to be distracted by this life anymore. I don't want to be distracted by all this stuff that does not matter. Because everything in this world is not going to go into eternity. But what's going to go into eternity is your relationship with your heavenly father. That is going to be forever. And so you should spend more time now building on that. Getting close to God. See, some people are confused. They say, well, I think the Lord said, well, a lot of times that's desire influenced. But if you can get back away from your desires and back away from your emotions, then you can simply be still and Lord, what is it that you have for me? And I give you what I have, Lord. All I have is me. And then let God mold you and shape you and direct you. So every moment was laid out before, next verse, oh, they just switched, before a day ever took shape, I think it says, before a single day had passed. Next verse, how precious are your thoughts about me? So this is God, what God's thinking of you. See? We worry about what everybody else is thinking, right? We're concerned about this or that. But what is, he says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They could not be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And I want you to get this right here. And when I wake up, come on. You might go to sleep. You may have had a tough night. But when you wake up, what does he say? You are still with me. Come on. You've been through. Look at your name and say, I've been through some stuff. But look back and say, but God's still with me. Come on. And if you start to understand this, you say, Lord, this is what you have for me. This is uh, what is really important is intimacy and fellowship with you. And Jesus came so that I could be in this place where I could cry out, Abba, Father. All of you today can cry out, Abba, Father. You don't have to uh, go to someone else before you can go to your father. You can go to your heavenly father in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm in need of help. And he will say, I know my son. I know my daughter. I've just been waiting on you to cry out to me. I've been waiting on you to reach out to me. Because... We know it says in James, if I draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh to me. And so we need to be those people that are excited about fellowship, intimacy, and intimacy has been restored through the blood of Jesus. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. There's nothing that has happened in your past that can break your current fellowship with God. You need to just understand I have been given access and I'm taking full advantage of this. And then now what you're going to see in the world, what others are going to see is they're going to see evidence of a healthy relationship. They're going to see fruit 
of a healthy, intimate relationship with the Father. Do y'all believe he loves you like that? Come on. You believe that he did all of this just so he could spend one-on-one time with you? Just so he can pull you in and embrace you and care for you and build you up? Now, how could... How good could your life really be when you start to realize I'm going to focus on intimacy with God. I'm going to focus on fellowship with God. I'm going to let everything else come after. I'm going to let all this stuff come after. And I'm going to see my God show up and show out. And every time we do that, every time you release, he takes over. Every time you clench, he backs off. And so I'm going to encourage you to release things that are keeping you and and, uh, interfering with your intimacy with God. We're going to be a bunch of people that actually really know God. Man. What an awesome thought. We have a whole church full of people that really know God. What do those people do? Oh, they just love God, man. They just be in his presence all the time. See? That's where that genuineness starts to flow. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you that you gave us an opportunity to know you. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to enter in. And we don't have to be behind the veil. We don't have to be outside looking in any longer. We willingly come in. We're ready now, God, to come closer. We want to come closer to you. We want to be more like you. But Lord, we're interested in your power and your presence just taking over. And we surrender. Maybe you're here while every head is bowed, eyes are closed, or maybe you're watching right now and you don't know Jesus as Lord. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So here it is. The opportunity for you to come in. You just have to say yes to Jesus. He's knocking at the door of your heart even right now. He said, won't you open? Won't you let me in? And things are going to surely get better. But you have to say yes to him. That's you. Raise your hand. I'll pray for you. We see you. We see you online. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. We want this relationship with God to flourish, blossom in a beautiful way. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please. And fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God.